brand new sermon series starting tonight on the great prophet Jeremiah. And tonight we're looking at chapter 1, verses 4 through 10, the title of the message, Every Child Has Value. Every Child Has Value. Jeremiah chapter 1. And if you have your Bibles, let's begin reading with verse 4. Then the word of the Lord came unto me. This is Jeremiah speaking. And the word of the Lord said to me, Before I formed you in the belly, I knew you. And before you came forth out of the womb, I sanctified you. And I ordained you to be a prophet unto the nations. Then said I, Jeremiah speaking of himself, Ah, Lord God, behold, I cannot be a prophet, I cannot speak for you, for I am a child. But the Lord said unto me, Say not, I am a child, for you shall go to all that I send you to, and whatsoever I command you, that is what you will speak. Be not afraid of their faces, for I am with you, and I will deliver you, said the Lord. Then the Lord put forth his hand and touched my mouth. And the Lord said unto me, Behold, I have put my words into your mouth. See, I have this day set you over the nations and over the kingdoms to root out and to pull down and to destroy that later... I can build and plant. A classified advertisement in a major newspaper read like this. Unknown item for sale. (laughs) While we don't know what it is, we know that it has value. And we will sell it $250. Unknown item for sale. We don't know what it is, but we believe it's got value. And we'll sell it for $250. But ladies and gentlemen, get it down plain and get it down straight. You and I have value. Our world may not know who we are, but our Creator knows who we are. And He has created us to have value. He's created us to have worth. Now, so there's no misunderstanding who is our Creator. Well, the psalmist declares without any hesitation or reservation in Psalm 139, verse 13. He says, the Lord created my innermost being. The Lord created my innermost being. The Lord knit me together in my mother's womb. God is our Creator. When God created us, And when God saved us, He put inside of us potential. Potential not to do mediocre things. Potential not to do average things. When God created us, He put within us the potential to do great things. To be difference makers. To be world changers in this life that He's given us. Now, in our verses, Jeremiah was called of God out of his mother's womb to be a prophet to his world. 
Notice verse 5 again if you have your Bibles open. The Lord says to Jeremiah, but He's also speaking to you and I, Before I formed you in the belly, I knew you. Before you were ever conceived, you were on my mind, you were in my heart. I knew you, Jeremiah. And before you came forth out of the womb, I already had a purpose for you. I had a plan for your life. I sanctified you. I ordained you to be my spokesman, my prophet unto the nations. Now, Jeremiah was not the kind of guy as he grew up that you would ever figure would be a prophet. He was more of the Clark Kent type. He had a tender heart like a mother would for children. He was a soft-spoken man. He didn't holler. He didn't scream. He didn't shout. He was a mild-mannered man. He, He didn't walk around and put his finger in somebody's face. He wasn't a brawler. He was a tender-hearted, soft-spoken, mild-mannered, Clark Kent-type fellow. And yet God called him to be a superman. The Lord said, Jeremiah, you might be Clark Kent, but with me you will become superman. And I'm going to use you to send a message to my nation and to my people, a message of judgment. And that's what he was called to do. That's why he's called the weeping prophet. Because he didn't have any good news to share with Israel. He didn't have any good news to share with the Hebrew people. His message was a message of judgment. As I was preparing this message, I was wondering, what would have happened to Jeremiah if he had been born in the 21st century? What would have happened to Jeremiah if he had been born in the America that we live in today? I wonder if he would have ever got out of the womb alive. Do you know the most dangerous place to be in America is not the streets of Chicago, not the inner city of Los Angeles, but in the womb of a mother? In the womb of a mother. I know that there are those who believe that killing babies in the womb is okay because they're not babies, they're nothing but fetuses. They see nothing wrong with killing a fetus in a mother's womb, whether it be by poison or by chopping or by strangulation. After all, this is just a mass of tissue. It has no value. And that mass of tissue might cramp your style. It might burden you down. Why put up with the inconvenience? Just go ahead and get rid of it. Today, life in America is cheap and getting cheaper. And remember, whenever a nation or a people start going down the slippery slope of determining who has more life than others, who has a more right to live than others, it never ends. 
The unborn have no rights because they're not alive. I wonder if one day the handicapped and deformed and the retarded will be said they have no rights because they're not full-fledged people. I wonder if the day will come when our senior citizens will be told, you're no longer welcomed. You've lived longer than you're worth. We're not giving you medical treatment anymore. If we do, it'll only be comfort management. You're a burden on Social Security. Go ahead and die. You see, whenever a nation and people cheapen life, it becomes cheap for everybody. It becomes cheap for everybody. We slaughter about one million babies plus a year in this nation. One million babies are killed in their mother's womb. No, better said, murdered in their mother's womb. Because they're not deemed life. And if they are life, they're not deemed full life. Complete life. We kill them without giving them a name. And we kill them without any kind of memorial service. They're just a bunch of junk. And their little bodies are thrown into dispensers in back of those clinics that carry it out. Aren't you glad Jeremiah wasn't born in our day? He might not have ever got out of the womb alive. I was thinking about others who if they would have been born in our day, may have not have got out of the womb alive. Think about John Wesley. John Wesley, the great preacher, responsible for many people being saved and many people being in heaven. God used him in a great and mighty way in the beginning parts of our nation. Do you know John Wesley was the 15th child born to his mom and dad? They already had 14 other children when he was conceived. And she became pregnant. He was number 15. The people of his day probably said, Listen, we got too many people in the world already. You don't need him. You're already poor. He's just going to make you poor. You don't got enough food to feed what you got now. You don't got enough clothes to clothe what you got now. You don't got enough room The house, what you got now? Why do you want him? The pro-abortion crowd would have said, just get rid of him. But thank God his parents didn't. And then I was thinking about Ludwig von Beethoven. One of the greatest musicians who has ever lived. He was a genius musical. Do you know if the pro-abortion crowd would have got with his parents? What they would have told him? Sir, you're sickly. You're a feeble man. You're not capable of being a father. You can't take care of the four children you got now. And ma'am, you got tuberculosis. Do you realize that this TB could cause your child to be born with a defect? It would be better for everybody if you just went ahead and got rid of this guy. This baby. I'm glad they didn't. 
Can you imagine what they would have said to that 13-year-old girl who got raped, who got pregnant from that rape? But she chose to carry her baby despite everybody trying to tell her to abort it. You know who that baby was that she was carrying? Ethel Waters, who later became one of the main singers with Dr. Billy Graham for many years. I wonder what the pro-abortion crowd would have said to another teenage girl who found herself pregnant and unmarried. And her fiancé, the man she was going to marry, wasn't the father to the baby. I wonder if they would have said, abort him. And that baby was Jesus Christ. You see, ladies and gentlemen, Jeremiah was created by God. He was created with value. He was created with potential. He was created with purpose. His mom and dad understood that. And they understood that he was sanctified and ordained by God to be a prophet to the nations and to the people of his day. I wonder if one day in heaven we won't have a conversation with Jesus. And it might go something like this. Lord, I was a patriotic American. And Lord, I prayed for my country. But you never sent a great statesman to lead the nation. All you sent was politicians and cronies who were more concerned about getting elected than the future of this nation. Lord, why didn't you send a statesman to America? And Lord, we needed revival. Lord, we needed an awakening. Lord, why didn't you send an evangelist, another Billy Graham, another Apostle Paul, or somebody who would preach the gospel with fire, with power, and people would respond and America could have been changed? Lord, why didn't you send somebody? We prayed for that. Lord, why didn't you send somebody to find a cure for cancer, for Parkinson's disease, for Alzheimer's? We struggled with that in our family. Lord, we prayed for you to send somebody to bring a cure. Why didn't you? Lord, why didn't you send a banker? Somebody with great financial mind that could have come and fixed the economies of the world. Lord, why didn't you send an environmentalist to help clean our planet up? Lord, I prayed for those things over and over and over again. We all prayed for them, Lord. Why didn't you send somebody? And I wonder if Jesus won't say, I did send them. And you murdered them. You took their life in their mother's womb. Wow. Jeremiah has value. Jeremiah has worth. He's God's man with purpose. Now notice in verse 10, his purpose is not a pleasant purpose. He would have never made TV in his day. 
He wouldn't have been on radio in his day because his message was a message of judgment. See, I have this day set you over the nations. Jeremiah, you will speak to the nations and over the kingdoms. And your message will be one of, I'm about to root them up, pull them down, destroy them, and throw them to the ground. I'm going to wipe them off the face of the earth that I can rebuild them and replant them. Jeremiah, I want you to go to your people and tell them I'm tired of them mocking me. I want you to go to your nation and tell them I'm tired of their rejection of me. The waters of their sin are now going over the dam of my grace. My judgment is coming. You tell them that. And Jeremiah, once again, he did not want to do this. You see, sometimes we think of the Bible characters as all being more than we are. They were just like us. They were men and women who put their pants on one leg at a time, who pulled their skirt up with two hands. They were just like us. They were common, ordinary people whom God called to do extraordinary, supernatural work. But they weren't always on board. And Jeremiah wasn't on board. This went against who he was. He knew God had called him, but he was tender-hearted. He was soft-spoken. He was mild-mannered. He wasn't a John the Baptist. He wasn't an Elijah. Lord, why don't you call somebody a little rougher, a little tougher, more, with the, more of a brawler? God said, no, I'm choosing you. Now follow it as we move toward closing. Jeremiah is known by God, loved by God, and created by God. Jeremiah has value and Jeremiah has worth. And Jeremiah has been born with a, with a general purpose to bring glory to God and he's been born with a specific purpose to be a prophet to the nation of Israel and to the Hebrew people. But he doesn't really want to be that. Notice it says in verse 6, he offers an excuse to God why he can't be this. Even though God sanctified and ordained him before his birth to be such, and his parents taught him this, and he knew this, when time comes, he says in verse 6, Lord, I cannot speak. Now notice he says, I cannot speak, for I am a child. Reminds us of Moses. God said, go to Pharaoh and tell him I have a message for him. And Moses said, Lord, I can't speak very well. Moses didn't want to go. Many times in the Bible, people are called, but they don't want to go because they look at themselves and say, I can't. Instead of looking at God and saying, I can. 
And Jeremiah says, Lord, I, I appreciate you calling me. I really do. But Lord, I'm not your man. I, I'm really childish, Lord. I'm young, still wet behind the ears. I'm dumb, Lord. I don't have a lot of education. I'm weak, Lord. I can't bench press 100 pounds. I'm limited, Lord. I, I, I don't have a lot of different ability. And Lord, I'm afraid. Lord, I'm a scaredy cat. Why don't you find somebody else more suited to be your prophet, to speak to the nation and to speak to the people? And God reminds him that he's the man. But the Lord said unto him in verse 7, Do not tell me I am a child. God says, I don't want to hear it. <laughs> I don't want to hear it. For you're going to go, and I'm going to send you. And whatsoever I command you, you're going to speak. Verse 8, don't you be afraid, though. Don't be afraid how they look at you. Don't be afraid how they respond to you. I am going to be with you, and I will give you the words to speak, and when they bother you, I will deliver you, said the Lord. I will do that. Jeremiah, what you can't do, I can do. What's impossible for you is possible through me. Jeremiah, we're going to be teammates, says the Lord. And I'll be in the driver's seat. You just hop in the back. And when I tell you to do something, you do it, because I'm going to run this operation, says the Lord. I'm not concerned about your ability, Jeremiah. I just want you to be available to me. I want you to understand something, ladies and gentlemen. If Satan can't kill God's people in the womb, Satan tries to tattoo God's people's minds into believing that we're inadequate, that we lack the ability, that we lack the sufficiency to do anything great for God. Let me say that again. If Satan can't kill God's people in the womb, then what Satan will try to do is place a tattoo on the minds of God's people that we can't do anything great for God. We can only be average. Most of us will be mediocre. We can't change anything. We can't make a difference in anything. We're just to draw a breath till we draw a check out of this world to go to glory. That all you can do is sit in a pew and stare at a preacher and listen to songs. That's all you're good for. And that's not true. A preacher many years ago went into a tattoo parlor of all places. And he saw thousands of different signs and pictures that you could put on your body. So when you walked in there, you just simply said, I like that one. You sat down, paid the man, and he would put that tattoo on your arm or on your chest or on your back or wherever you wanted it. And as he was looking at all the different possibilities in the way of tattoos, he noticed that there was one particular sign that he thought was interesting. Somebody could have tattooed on their body the words, born loser. 
born loser. Well, the, the preacher asked the man who ran the parlor, he said, Sir, can I ask you a question? I, I'm kind of intrigued at all these different things you got up here, but that, that born loser in, has really caught my eye. Do you have a lot of folks who come in here and ask to have those two words put on their body? And the owner of the tattoo parlor said, To be honest with you, we get quite a few. And the preacher just kind of asked himself a question, but he asked it out aloud. He said, I wonder why somebody would think of themselves in such a negative way that they would want such words put on their body. Born loser. But the owner of the tattoo parlor wasn't a Christian man, but he had a lot of street smarts. And this is what he said. Long before they ever want this tattooed on their body, it's already been tattooed on their mind. What we think of ourselves is a predictor of what we will do. And that's why there's a battle going on for the mind of God's people. The world wants our mind to conform us into its image. Satan wants our mind to tattoo onto our mind that we are good for nothing but heaven. Well, don't you believe it? If God saved you, if God created you, God has a plan, God has a purpose for your life. God has equipped you. God will enable you to carry it out. And not just to do it with mediocrity, not just to do it with averageness, but to do it with excellence. Not just to do it to get by, but to do it in such a way that you can change the world. You can make a difference. In closing, Jeremiah was created by God. Do you hear me? Listen to me. He was created by God. He was no accident that happened. He was no freak of nature. He was no, no monkey's uncle. He was no evolutionary byproduct. God knew Jeremiah in eternity past. And he said, I'm now ready to take Jeremiah and place him in the womb of his mother at conception. And now I'm going to, to bring him through his mother's womb and I'm going to give him life in this world. He has value to me. God doesn't love us because we're valuable. Because God loves us, we are valuable. God loves us. God created us. And then love that God has for us makes us valuable. It makes us worthy. It gives us potential. And Jeremiah had a purpose. To glorify God by being the prophet of God to his nation and to his people. Jeremiah said, I can't. God said, I don't want to hear it. You can. And he listened to God. And he would embark on, as we're going to see in the weeks to come, the most difficult ministry that God ever gave any man. He's called the weeping prophet because he wept 
He wept at the message that he had to share with his nation and his people. He wept at the way they received his message. And he wept that they rejected it. You know, in Jeremiah's ministry in closing, he won no person to Jesus. Absolutely not one single convert did he win to the Lord. He didn't have a lot of supporters. He was a man who basically was a loner. Not a lot of people followed him and helped him. He was called a traitor by his own people because he told them, if you fight Babylon, you will lose. Babylon is God's instrument of judgment. God is going to use them to get your attention. If you fight Babylon, you will lose. And they called him a traitor. He was called a gloom and doom preacher because he dared to tell a nation people, if you keep rejecting God and mocking God, God is going to bring His wrath against you. He was called a party pooper because his generation wanted to have fun, fun, fun since the daddy took the T-bird away. Scratching your head. What in the world is he talking about? Is he on NyQuil? <laughs> you see, he was called a fool. He was called a liar. He was called a dinosaur, pre- preaching a dated message to a contemporary generation that was too smart to hear that anymore. He was beaten. He was jailed. He was spit on. He was cursed. He ran for his life. And I think the worst of all of it, he was always by himself. He was forbidden to marry. He was forbidden to have family. He would carry this ministry that God gave him that he really did not want to its end. And he would pay a horrible price to do it. That's the Jeremiah we're going to be looking at. A man that God loved and created. A man who had value and worth. A man who had purpose. And you know what? What's good for Jeremiah is good for us. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed.